did you get into this because you're an explorer? Yeah, when, when I was a kid, I, I watched Jacques Cousteau's documentaries on TV, and I wanted to become a, an ocean explorer. And I became a marine scientist, a diver, and I became a National Geographic explorer in residence. But with my own eyes, during my lifetime, I've seen the decline of life in the ocean. And places that I love so much are now dead. The big fish are gone. The coral reefs are gone. So I decided to, you know, I felt that all I was doing as a scientist was writing the obituary of the ocean. So I felt like the doctor who's telling the patient how she's going to die with excruciating detail, but not offering a cure. So I was a university professor at the University of California and I quit to spend all of my time working on marine conservation to try to work on the cure to these problems. So you've dedicated your professional life to I it. am dedicating the rest of my life to conservation, to bring back, to try to save as much life on the planet as possible. Okay, so we're here in Dubai, we're in the Middle East. And the Middle East seems to always be distracted by crises that are not climate change or biodiversity. I mean, from a UN point of view, like from a biodiversity point of view, will, will Arab countries be leading this? I wish the Arab countries uh, led and conservation of nature, but as you said, unfortunately there are so many human-created problems that uh, are much more a short-term priority, right? But a way to think about it is, you know, all this wealth here in the Arabian Peninsula is based on, on oil and gas, fossil fuels, right? But, you know, you guys have more sun than anybody else on the planet. You know, China right now is the world leader in solar energy. Why not the Arab countries? Right? So, that if I were uh, an Arab leader, I, I would think, I would ask my government this question. Imagine that there is no more fossil fuel, that we're run out of it, no? Now what do we do? And I hope, and I'm ignorant, but I hope that that's the way they are thinking. And, and what about water? Because you see, water is an issue everywhere, but in this region, there's becoming more and more. Recently, there, there was in Basra water contamination. In Iran, there are droughts, increasing droughts. There are arguments now over dams and rivers and water supplies. So, I mean, it, it feels like it's, everyone's been talking about this for decades, but water is, is, is becoming an increasing frequent issue, right? <laughs> is, that, is that part of the biodiversity discussion? Water conservation or water... Yeah, well, let me give you an example that exemplifies why everything is, is linked. You know, uh, the city of New York, had a, there was a proposal to build a water treatment plant so the city of New York would have uh, drinkable water from the tap. And I don't remember how much it cost, but it cost you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. There was another proposal, alternative proposal, to buy land in the Catskill Mountains, which is the, the, water, the watershed for New York, right? To uh, transform agricultural land into forest, to protect the forest. So the forest could do the natural filtration of the water, and New York would get clean water, and the cost was much lower. And surprisingly, the city of New York did the right thing. Wow. So they bought the, all that land, in, they protected all that land on the Catskills, so you can drink water from the tap in New York, and it, because it, it's filtrated by the natural filter, right? You talk about Basra. 
huge problems with uh, you know the, the everything that has happened in the Tigris and the Euphrates. All the deforestation that has happened on the mountains, plus the transformation of the wetlands, you know, using water for irrigation for thousands of years. Of course we have a water problem, and climate change just exacerbates the problem. Okay? So, one problem is that, you know, here right now, in, uh, in the Emirates, you are using so much more water than the, that the nature and Emirates produce. There's very few water produced yeah. by nature in the Emirates, right? You know, mind you have a little more, and just like that in the mountain, right? But as long as we continue using more resources than what the Earth can actually produce, we'll have a problem. And if the countries come together in 2020 and agree a deal similar to the Paris Climate Change Report, and they set targets for what needs to be done, you know, what, what's going to be the key thing to, to making this happen? Yeah, we are facing a true planetary crisis and we need all hands on deck. We need governments to agree to very ambitious targets for conservation of nature by 2020 and then we need them to implement these targets. We need businesses, like in the same way that they came together for climate, we need businesses to understand and come out and say that biodiversity, nature is essential to the bottom line. And one example is, I ask people, you know, how many people live in Venus or the moon? What's the GDP of Venus and why? Right? That's what we're talking about. You know, we're turning Earth into Venus right. with climate change. So all these things that people, humans worry about right, are irrelevant if we don't have the natural basis that, that supports our lives. That's how simple this is. And third, you will need the public. We need people to come out and demand their leaders more uh, ambition for conservation of nature in the same way that millions of people came out in the streets in September 2015, a month or two months before the climate, uh, Paris climate uh, meeting. So we need all hands on deck. We need everybody, not only, yeah, we need everybody uh, to help. People with public demand, businesses by changing their modus operandi and governments by exerting leadership, vision and political will. And what can I do today? Like if I ask you today, I, what do I need to do today to help with eat the more, Eat more vegetables and fruit. If there is one thing that the, the average citizen can do, eat more plants and less meat because meat is the one of the worst contributors to climate change. And so if, if we ate more plants, our the ecological footprints of humans would be much lower, the planet would be in a much better state. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. If everybody got the meat consumption and ate more plants, people would be healthier, happier. And I am one example. And uh, our impacts on, on the planet would be much, much lower. I mean, what about dairy? Do you give up dairy? Is that is that helpful? I mean, the cows the cows seem like the real villains here. It's like we should, we should arrest all the cows. L livestock, livestock is one of the most stupid things that we are doing to our planet and to ourselves. The cows. I mean, it's not their fault. They're stupid. You, do you know? It's okay. not their fault, right? Okay, let me let me tell you. Let me give you a statistic, so so people can understand how dramatically we have transformed our planet. If you get all of the vertebrates, 
the planet. And uh, no, all the mammals, the mammals of the planet. Animals like whales and antelopes and lions and cows and people. And we weigh them together. 60% of that weight, of that biomass, is cows. Wow. 36% is humans. And only 4% of the mammal biomass in the world is wildlife. Birds. That's unbelievable. Birds. The total biomass of birds. 70% is poultry, mostly chicken. And only 30% is wild birds. It's crazy. People have no idea how we have transformed our planet at a scale, you know, it's a, we, we are transforming our planet at a geological scale, and most people have no idea. When we say um, we need to keep half of the land protected, are we telling people that in, in developing countries where they're, they're urbanizing, uh, India, let's say, which is one of the fastest growing countries in the world, are we telling them that they cannot uh, have the same stages of development as the rich countries had in previous decades? <laughs> it's actually the opposite because some of the one of the main reasons why the developing countries are not developing well enough is because the rich countries are consuming their resources. You know, all these huge areas of forest that have been cut or grassland that have been converted to developing countries so that rich countries can eat cheap burgers. You know, that's a real problem, right? And one of the problems is the way we produce food. Uh, we, right now the world, about half of the inhabitable land is dedicated to agriculture, and half of that is dedicated to, to feed cows, either through grazing or uh, feed for cows. In the United States alone, 40% of the land is dedicated to cows, which is the worst, one of the worst, uh, the most important sources of emissions, and also deforestation creates a huge amount of emissions. By not having the forest, that part of uh, the planet cannot absorb more of the carbon that we throw in the atmosphere, and also the cows produce a huge, huge amounts of uh, methane, which is a very powerful greenhouse gas. So, um, the way we produce food is really damaging to the climate, and also it's not efficient. It's very wasteful. We are, we are losing soil, millions of tons uh, of soil that are lost every year just in the United States. Uh, we're using fertilizers, pesticides. And if this is uh, progress, you know, you know, you know what, what, what's uh, this? Is, this is this is not progress. This is not helping. The, the, the way we're feeding the world is actually not helping developing countries. We need to do three things if we want to save ourselves. One is to go carbon neutral by 2050. So we need to shift to renewable energies. Two, we need to change the way we produce food. So we need to shift to regenerative agriculture. Agriculture that actually where the plants help to produce soil, which also would absorb a huge amount of carbon. And it's more nutritious food. We can feed the 10 billion people right now with the world we produce. With the food we produce, we can feed 10 billion people today. Because a third, at least, a third of the food produced in the world is wasted. And three, we need to give more space to nature. We need half of the planet, 50% of the planet, 
protected or natural state so not nature can continue providing for us. What opportunity is there with the, the ability now to process such huge amounts of data that we didn't have 10-15 years ago? Will, can that help us uh, get to where we need to go faster I guess? Yeah, no, it's right now we have the technology to monitor the Earth in real time every day. We can use satellite data to monitor in almost real time uh, where the forest is being cut, or where there are um, human-created fires, or where illegal or, or where fishing boats are fishing illegally around the world. Right. So for monitoring and and. and enforcing the law and, and international agreements. The technology today and the big data are an amazing tool because we can act in almost near, uh, real time, something that we couldn't have thought about uh, 10 years ago. So it, it's already helping us, for example, the satellite data, and this is uh, a big data, is helping us identify illegal activities in the ocean. And also to predict, now with artificial intelligence also, yeah. we can predict when uh, some poaching, some illegal activities is going to happen and where, right? So it's, it's a huge help. And our modeling is becoming more accurate. Oh no, absolutely. Our the, the scary thing is, is that our predictions 10, 15 years ago and our predictions now, and we're predicting things are worse and we're better at predicting things. Totally. That, that's, that's the double whammy, totally. right? Totally. You know, because we have totally. more tech. You're right. You know, and, and unfortunately for, for climate and for nature, our predictions of horrible things you know are, were not bad enough yeah it's actually worse than we thought